Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Thursday night edition of the pod. Danny is back. We got to get to some news. This Markel Fultz thing, which of course is so weird. A lot of injury stuff as well. And then something that Danny's been wanting to do for a long time. We're actually going to rank the outstanding pick obligations. So that Brooklyn pick, all those Lakers Kings picks between the Celtics and Sixers and every other pick we're going to run you through them just give you a refresher too on just what first round picks are out there and owed we're brought to you today by wish use that cap space code and my listeners can get 20% off your purchase the items are already 60 to 90% less than what you'd pay in a store at the number one mobile shopping app in the world so let's get going here with this false thing you want to bring us up to date on where we are here Danny so there was a whole series of things I believe it was yesterday, so meaning yesterday is Wednesday for us when we're recording this, where it started out that it was a report from Woj coming from Fultz's agent saying that Markel had had fluid drained from his shoulder and that he couldn't really get his arms over his yeah. head. The the quote from uh, his agent Raymond Brothers was, he literally cannot raise up his arms to shoot the basketball. He decided to try and fight through the pain to help the team. He has a great attitude. We're committed to finding a solution to get Markel back to one. 100%. Then a few hours later, Woj updated his story, presumably from informa- more new information for brothers, saying that he had not had fluid drained. Instead, he had had a cortisone shot. And so that was kind of where the story was for a period of time. Then Brian Colangelo talked and made the whole thing a little bit more complicated when he said a series of things, but the most notable of them was that he attributed Markel Fultz's shoulder pain to his change in shooting motion, which, as expected, generated a response from Marco Fultz's trainer and it's just become this whole thing partially because what might be a failure of communication and certainly a failure of communication publicly private the private part is more important but the public part is what we talk about because that's what we know so to bring it back here Markel obviously we've talked about it his shooting motion is really weird he's not shooting the ball the way he was at Washington not even Summerlee in fact Mike Schmitz had a great video comparing it right now he's bringing the ball up way out in front of his body especially prominent on free throws not taking any jump shots outside of 15 feet basically and he does shoot it as if he has some sort of an issue with his shoulder right like out in front of his body not wanting to extend the shoulder up someone tweeted out a a photo of him extending his arm to shoot it but he still didn't have the shoulder at like very high of an angle and what really seems to be developing now is this idea that Markel changed his shot he did shoot it a little bit differently in summer league and i thought the idea was as markel said in quotes at the start of camp he had changed it a little bit to try and adapt to the nba three and i guess get a little more power on it or whatever 
certainly the shot that he's shooting now is not something that anyone would have told him to shoot and not anything that would help you shoot the NBA three quite the contrary of course based on the results so far and so his trainer and his Raymond brother said no way like he didn't decide to change this on his own. He's a great shooter. Why would he change it? Et cetera, et cetera. All, all that makes sense. Uh, but he had, you know, the film shows that he had kind of changed it a little bit coming in. And Fultz sort of mentioned that he had changed it again. Now, was he just trying to like lie and say, no, it's actually my shoulder was just killing me? Who knows? I mean, he did have to have this cortisone shot. But then, you know, so all that is a little weird and fishy, right? I mean, there's they definitely don't want the blame for like him trying to change the shot. Who knows whether they did or didn't or, or whether, in fact, he started feeling the shoulder soreness and then that led to the changes um and then how what kind of pain he's in right now but then colangelo's statement was completely insane oh maybe his change in the shooting like why would you speculate on that you have no idea whether that's true or not they don't really know when he decided to change things apparently they weren't really on top of the shoulder injury it seems like why would you put the blame on the shoulder injury for that when there's just no medical evidence and brett brown has said i have no idea about that or not uh, their coach it just i mean that of all the ridiculous things that have been said that's probably the most ridiculous one so far especially because other than a few media minds nothing changes because of that it's not it it doesn't affect anything other than a slight bit of the pr part of it it doesn't make markel fultz's shoulder any better it doesn't help anything it just yeah. creates it's friction ne- between the have, two sides yeah yeah never have two uh, never has someone who has cared more about the media narrative been worse at spinning it than brian colangelo in this philly tenure i mean all of these injury things they obviously like they lie they obfuscate they don't know what's going on and yet they do all that apparently to like impress the media to the point of potentially pissing off their number one overall draft pick and yet they still end up sounding like idiots anyway so now Fultz is going to be out for minimum of three games the first of those games already happened that was their loss to the Rockets on that crazy Eric Gordon shot we out two more games who knows if that is enough time for him or anything like that but at least it's a step that okay we need to change kind of where this is right now and so hopefully that helps but we'll have to wait and see yeah i do think that shutting him down is what needed to be done he couldn't continue going out there like this and more importantly he was this is a team that actually has some aspirations and if you're gonna play him he was killing them when he was out there anyway you know he's not out there for his defense uh and he still showed some of that trademark ability to get to the basket at raymond brothers said in his thing oh he showed he can get whatever shot he wants well yeah okay as long as it's uh you know not outside of three feet so far well, we, we know but, what shots he wants right now he yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I really, really hope that he's able to get his mind right, get his body right, whichever combination of the two it is. And Bodner had a long piece summarizing all this. I've been paraphrasing a lot of, of what he's had in, in there, basically all the quotes from all the sides. Uh, so I recommend you guys read that at The Athletic. It's actually free, uh, unlocked at The Athletic. Uh, but his conclusion was he thinks, you know, probably Fultz started feeling some soreness and then that led to these shot changes and now it's kind of become a mental thing as well and so he's got to just like find his way back but I had mentioned this that a personnel guy saw him warming up before a game and was like oh yeah this is all over the place so it's not like in the game and it's really can you remember another time like this where I mean let's assume that part of this is mental where a guy just like totally forgot how to shoot and like messed up his motion I mean this is like some like Chuck Knobloch like Steve Blass kind of shit 
It's crazy also because it's not like it was a problem area for him. And that's the sort of thing where maybe you'd see like a guy who lost some confidence or the comparison of the yips in golf. Like maybe somebody was a shaky putter, so they tried to change their motion or something like that. While shooting is not the greatest strength of Fultz's game, it absolutely was not his greatest weakness either. So that's a little bit weird. And of course, the timing on it is strange because while it did look a little different in Summer League, and I hardly recommend it was a kind of a conversation piece with Schmitz and Pelton that I thought was really good in terms of the timeline, two guys who watched him a lot last year. And so talking about all that. So yeah, it's and that's exactly why I'm less freaked out about this, I think, than some people are, is that it feels like this was a change that was prompted by discomfort and something like that. And so this is a long game for Fultz and the Sixers. This is not, you know, it might take it might take until next year to really figure this out, to get his confidence back and everything else. But if that's if that's the case, as long as he gets back to where he was, they're fine. It just has has to happen. Well, they'll also have wasted a, a, a year of development. And, and I well, think Well, they're used to that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and the reason this is so odd is because it's happening in game action. Now, I guess turning down shots is, is can be kind of a mental thing too. Uh, uh, free throws, maybe we've seen guys kind of have these mental issues. But when you're in a game and you don't necessarily have time to think about it, especially a guy who's working off the dribble like he is a lot, but I guess he, if he's just not even deciding to take it, that's an issue. So I am more worried about this than you are actually. Um, and, and so what I would suggest is that, well, here, why don't we do this? What percentage chance do you think it is that this becomes a significant issue for Fultz in his career in the long term? 15%. I think it's 50%. Wow. Yeah, we do disagree a lot then. It's just so weird and so unprecedented and everyone seems so not on the same page and it gets odder and odder by the day. I really hope that I'm wrong because I loved him in the draft. Like He seems like a great kid. I hope that we get to watch him play and play well for years and years to come, but it's just very very odd and i'm uh i'm i'm probably more concerned i mean everyone has said oh he'll get back to it he'll get back to it like how the hell do you know that how do you know that like oh, we certainly is, don't we, know. we're in uncharted territory here we're totally in uncharted territory i think at this point and maybe it'll be fine maybe it's a health issue it, there clearly appears to be some kind of a mental component at this point i'm concerned and there's certainly a reason to be concerned, but we'll have to see. And lots of other injury news. I don't think any of it is as big as that. Also, because of the uncertainty and the communication and where his profile was. Tony Parker is practicing with San Antonio's G League team in San Antonio. As far as I can recall, this is in Austin. This is the highest profile injury rehab stint in the development league that I can remember. Yeah, and he of course has to sign off on doing that. But good to see that he's back at least. You know, doing basketball ball activities I'm still thinking he's not going to contribute that well they've gotten a lot out of DeJounte Murray so far this year and they're going to have to give him some entitlement minutes when he comes back that may be to the detriment of the team we'll see where he's at Isaiah Cannon signing with the Rockets with their issues with Chris Paul they are familiar with him of course as is Mike D'Antoni who coached him in Philly when Mike came back as an assistant uh, Cannon maybe can provide some shooting off the bench uh, in Atlanta we mentioned or didn't mention this one last time it's a little old but DeAndre Bembry had surgery on a fractured right wrist. Remember, he had an elbow injury early in camp, so he's going to be out four to six weeks. Again, he's got an opportunity here, especially they actually could really use him right now with Schroeder being out because he's probably their best passing guard outside of Schroeder at this point. So he could have had an opportunity, but unfortunately he's been injured. Uh, what else we got here? D'Angelo Russell 
is dealing with a knee sprain and he won't play Friday, did not play in their win over Cleveland, which is interesting in a couple different ways, considering he's their point guard of the future. And as John Schumann has pointed out, they've had a better offensive rating with Spencer Dinwiddie on than Russell. I attribute some of that to the bench starter disparity with that team, but it is still worth watching. Marcus Morris is getting closer to returning. The The target date for him is October 30th. While I think the Wizards have had some nice moments with him out, adding another quality just no, no, player. You, you, you want to you, you talk about the Celtics? Oh, so other one. Morris. They're the same person. They have the same <laughs> DNA. They're, it doesn't it doesn't make a difference. But the Celtics, the Celtics still need, they need their Morris too. So they, they just another guy in the rotation though. They did have a nice win yeah. today in the Mecca. Yeah, the, the Wizards uh, would love it if Markeith were going to be back uh, that yeah, early. That's true. Uh, the, the Hornets continue to suffer. They're probably the most injured team in the NBA right now in terms of just sheer number of guys. Trevion Graham, uh, who is guy has been forced into duty he's questionable for friday with a quad injury they have all sorts of wings who are out right now cody zeller will also miss friday he's missed over a week now uh he says this bone bruise is not as bad as the one that kept him out during that famous three and 17 stretch that they suffered during last season when he was injured but not an imminent return i don't think uh so what do you think of lawrence frank's comments that we consider deandre jordan a clipper for life presumably that is a prelude to extension talk that they may be having. It fits in with the path that they chose this summer. They decided to not only bring Blake Griffin back at the full max, but also pay Danilo Gallinari for three years. So if you're going to go that path, you want to keep it together. And the way to keep it together is to make sure DeAndre Jordan doesn't hit free agency. We've, we've seen what happens when he hits free agency. And so there's some uncertainty there. And the Clippers are in a situation where they can absolutely pay him enough money to have him avoid free agency. The question is just whether they're going to pony up now. And that is, you know, that mitigates some risk for him, even though DeAndre has been remarkably durable in his career. You never know how that's going to go for a big man, especially as he ages and gets into his post-prime. But... For DeAndre, I think it's a wonderful situation. You know, he gets to stay in the only the only team he's ever played for. And we'll we'll see where the numbers are if that actually happens, but it certainly indicates a negotiating position that is unusual and to me signs signals that they're closer to a deal than we think. Yeah, there's a couple of things here. Number one, we talked about this in our veteran extension candidates podcast about three weeks ago. They can give him an extension starting at about 27 million a year, uh, 120% of the 22.9 is what he's making this season. And this is going to be a case, as you so often say, and as we actually have dunked on t-shirts available that say on the back years, not dollars, right? If this is going to be 27 million a year for the next four years, you know, that's the most they can give him. That's uh, that's pretty ugly. But Frank, I mean, usually you when you hear, hey, we consider him a Clifford for life or, you know, hey, we will resign this guy and blah, blah, blah. Like generally you do that with players that you consider clear max players and where you're just willing to offer them, if not the most that you can, nearly the most that you can. Would you where you feel like, hey, you know what, we're going to pay them a ton. It's to our advantage to get them to agree to the most that we can pay them because you give up leverage when you make statements like that, obviously. And so I'm not saying for sure 
sure that he's going to sign for the maximum that he possibly can but maybe they feel like hey you know we want to just keep him out of free agency and get him to sign this because in theory he could as a free agent could sign for up to 35 million a year so or, or starting at 35 million a year so it's definitely a little concerning me i think that'll be a bad contract but for deandre not a ton of other suitors out there for him necessarily there might be some there might not be whether he or demarcus cousins is ahead i mean demarcus maybe will return to new orleans but we don't know in that center market so deandre you mentioned he never gets hurt i think he's gonna play just fine this year though he could fall off pretty significantly in these next couple years the risk for him actually i think is more the team performance maybe blake griffin gets injured for the rest of the year and the clippers say hey you know what like we're not going to make the playoffs it's time for us to finally make that long-awaited pivot they've looked pretty good so far including just an amazing three-pointer by blake i think the second made three of his career that won a game he had that crazy one that bounced up in the air against the suns i can't remember if it was last year or the year before that uh but so that's the risk for him is more that the clippers plans could change not necessarily his own performance but it sounds like uh that won't be happening anytime soon and even beyond that you mentioned the idea of suitors is just that there aren't going to be that many teams out there and so maybe the clippers i don't think they're going to squeeze too hard but maybe they squeeze a little bit and that that is a risk for deandre just because as things start to evaporate there become fewer places for it to go Houston also suffering with injuries. Trevor Ariza has a mid-foot sprain. He won't play uh, on this Rockets three-game trip, which included that game that they won with on that Eric Gordon three. By the way, go for the three if you're even... I mean, it used to be, hey, go for the three on the road because you don't want to go into overtime. But the math is basically so far ahead of in terms of going for the three over the two to tie the game at the end of the game because I mean, basically any three that you get, if it has more than a 25% chance of going in, that's what you should be going for basically because you think okay any two that you take has a 50 percent chance of making it probably less frankly when you're at the end of a game and there's a lot of pressure uh, from the defense and, and you're up against the clock and then if you only have a 50 percent chance of winning in overtime you know 25 percent chance of winning the game if you go for a two and so if you think you can hit a three at better than 25 percent you're better off doing it uh but coaches still will always go for the hey let's just stay in the game and keep it close and it feels better if you make it into overtime etc and apparently that play that Blake actually uh hit the three on that he was supposed to go for a two and then they took that away and he curled around a DHO for a three which is a pretty incredible shot from a guy who was known as a non-shooter coming into into the league but uh anyway yeah so where were we oh yeah so, and then the yeah go ahead did you want to react to that at all before I get no, to I, uh, I don't need critical to I, Nene, I, yeah I, I agree critical the math is the math is pretty clear there i cracked up with the reporting that i think blake just said in the post-game interview that they wanted to go for two but the blazers defended it well so poor luck for them in certain ways that was a wild game too i mean beyond what would have been an even more insane circumstance because austin rivers dislocated his finger and then was going to shoot free throws but then in a move that actually because i don't think we're going to spend too much time talking about this game that really frustrated me the way that they can review those calls now they change that to a charge and and yeah, then it, it, it doesn't have to be a charge just because he's outside the restricted area. Like Rivers jumped at a, like a 45 degree angle to Lillard, who got there late and like barely made contact poor Rivers like gets his finger dislocated when he may have gotten fouled by Nurkic but maybe not Nurkic I think hit the ball first so that I mean, it's and then it would have been interesting too because if Rivers couldn't have taken the free throws they could have selected someone off the Clippers bench to, to take it probably would have been like Willie Reed or something uh so that would have been really interesting but instead uh 
the Clippers ended up winning anyway when C.J. McCollum missed a free throw. He missed two free throws, I think, in the last couple minutes of the game as a 90% foul shooter. Yeah, he did. He missed. He had a, a three-shot foul, missed one of those, and then he missed one of the two when they, they could have not iced, iced it, but gotten assured basically overtime. Then to get back to the Rockets, Nene is dealing with Achilles soreness, and it's impressive that the Rockets have been able to deal with this. I will say that I think the most injured team right now is the Pelicans. I think they already have a hardship exemption, so I think they I think they're the the winners right now for that, which is the the least surprising yeah. thing in the entire league. But in the terms Bulls, of too, yeah, but in the terms Bulls of impactful players, I mean, you, they're, yeah. the Rockets are are yeah, certainly the, the, the Bulls don't have any impact. The Bulls don't have any impactful players. <laughs> and then, and speaking of impactful players that have been out, it's not due to an injury but illness. Jimmy Butler has been out for the last couple of games with an upper respiratory issue, and they have gotten absolutely housed in his absence. Yeah, they have, and Minnesota's defense will certainly be a topic uh, in the Western Conference 15 and 60 that we're going to do over the weekend here. In Miami, Hassan Whiteside has missed the last three games, could potentially return on Saturday. He's had a bone bruise. Miami lost at home to the Spurs, who are amazingly undefeated without Kawhi Leonard. Ho-hum. Anthony Davis did not play against the Kings, but his knee injury does not sound too major. And you watch that game, that Kings-Pels game. Do you want to give me a, a few thoughts on that? With DeMarcus had 41 and 23 with eight offensive rebounds and six assists. It was a pretty wild game because it, and you see this sometimes in the NBA where Sacramento went out to this absolutely insane start. Like they were hitting every shot. The Pelicans were missing everything. I think at one point it was like 15 to three or something like that. And you know, Sacramento wasn't usually that type of team. And then it basically was just how long can they hold on? And the answer was not long enough because there was a big run that Sacramento had, or sorry, okay, I still get confused because the boogie, a big run that New Orleans had in the third quarter and then Sacramento shots stopped falling and their defense I think eroded a little bit and DeMarcus had a huge game 41-23 eight offensive rebounds six assists was dominant out there against a lot of guys that he presumably just beat the crap out of in practice for years I felt I had those moments with Willie Colley Stein out there at the end of the game I disagreed with that but I digress that I was sitting there going man Boogie's probably just demolished this guy in practice so many times that he's not really concerned about this and I did enjoy there was a stretch with about I think it was about six minutes to about three minutes left where both teams went super small so Bogdan Bogdanovich and Etwan Moore were the power forwards for both teams they're playing two traditional point guards and then kind of two combo guard combo guard wing type guys and it was fun to watch it was entertaining and that gave a lot of the guys room to operate and especially for these two teams that have trouble sustaining reliable offense that is a good way to to gin it up yeah, especially with trying to stop DeMarcus with that kind of a lineup seems uh, pretty difficult. Um, uh, I didn't see much of the game, but the fact that he had eight offensive rebounds when he like doesn't try to offensive rebound anymore because he's just like, that's not something that he tries to do anymore. Uh, that shows you how motivated he was in this game. I'd like to see him do a little bit more offensive rebounding if they have this big plan that they're just going to bludgeon people. Well, um, and he's not, yeah. it's not like he's getting back and anchoring their transition defense anyway. You know, if that were a trade off that you had to deal with and maybe make a different calculus but but they're not doing that the other yeah uh, although it is fair to say though that because ad was out he didn't have to play on the perimeter as much he can right. focus more uh, right on he did have a big three but, yeah, in I mean, this game though yeah um all right couple more things here Juancho hernan gomez had not played much and now uh, it's been reported that he has mono so you have to imagine he's going to miss significant time that uh makes it lucky that they signed richard jefferson so they at least have someone as a backup three though that nuggets offense has really struggled 
struggled. That, of course, will also be a, a subject of our 15 and 60, why they have fallen off so much from last year when, of course, they were dominant. And then in San Antonio, Kawhi Leonard pop was asked about him on saturday and pop said i think it's going to be weeks more than months so but weeks plural so you have to imagine he will not be there for our twitter nba show a week from today golden state at san antonio but you know two weeks three weeks seems like the earliest for him uh and you know i think it's going to take him some time to get back in the swing of things as well uh but i I talked about this with anthony slater on his show yesterday when we were talking about challengers to the warriors and I think San Antonio, with the way Rudy Gay has looked, that what they've gotten out of DeJounte Murray so far, they actually, maybe you have to put them pretty close to Houston now uh, in that list. And then last thing here, Nikola Miritich is now open to waiving his no trade. You'll recall he has an implicit no trade clause because he signed that two-year deal, but it's a second-year team option. So he could potentially lose his bird rights if traded. That allows him to veto any trade but Casey is saying hey this is a little bit messier and it's devolving Casey said into getting pretty close to a him or me has got to go in terms of Miritich or Portis if that's really true that's a pretty fucking easy decision for me if I'm the Bulls it is and they I would surprise me if they made the right decision on that but also it was interesting how the reporting on this changed over the course of the day I think Casey's piece about how Miritich was kind of preferring to stay in Chicago was the early reporting and I'm my instinct I, I obviously didn't talk to them about this is that maybe when that came out Miritich's camp is like whoa 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 now and, and gave the clarification and it seems like that's about where we are with this and and so but the the bird rights part of this is very interesting in terms of Miritich because losing bird rights would be somewhat significant for him you know depending on what kind of team traded for him but the problem is the team trading for him or not the problem but the other part of this is that assuming he's not going to make more than his non-bird issue you can still make some you can still make some hay there even if you're a team that's over the cap yeah and you see now if Mirotic wants to get a contract larger than the mid-level exception Chicago is the team that can give that to him although you have to imagine if they decline his team option they would not be interested in keeping him around anyway so he's got to play well enough really to get them to do that team option um, all right, we're going to get to now this ranking of picks. And we'll also just take you through even who was traded to create these picks to begin with, which I think is always interesting to go back and look historically, especially because just to think of what are traded players worth in the future. We went through that exercise talking about Bledsoe, for example, earlier in the week. And that'll be a lot of fun. But first, this from our new friends at Wish. Wish is the number one shopping app on the App Store and Google Play. It's the highest rated mobile shopping app in the world. It is a top five rated among any app in the App Store and Google Play. Pretty incredible. People just love shopping at Wish because you can pay 60 to 90% less than what you'd pay in a store. No markups, no overpay. They even have an outlet section with name brands as well. And if you can wait a few weeks for delivery, you'll get lower shipping prices than almost anywhere else. You really can shop anything you want, fashion, shoes, electronics, kitchen gadgets, and more directly from the makers. The merchants themselves have ratings as well, so you are able to evaluate them. And Wish is also great because they always have amazing deals and specials going on. If you just fire up the app, you'd be surprised to find some of the amazing deals. They're really good at figuring out things that will be right in your wheelhouse, things that you didn't even necessarily know that you needed. Right now, for our listeners, Wish is offering new users a free gift with purchase. I've already claimed mine. But if you already love Wish, or even if you are a new user as well, you have to worry about getting left out because all listeners can get 20% off your purchase using my code CAPSPACE. 
you're already getting 69% off and now you're getting another 20% with that cap space code. Easy to remember because we talk about cap space all the time in the program. Download and open your Wish app, find things you didn't even know you needed and enter my code cap space for 20% off your purchase on the Wish app. All right, so the way I went about ranking these is I ranked them into three tiers. The first tier, as we so often do here, the first tier are the ones that really can be possible lottery picks. And there's even a, a higher sub-tier, I think, among those of what you could say are likely lottery picks. There's only three of those, I would say. Then there's a couple more that are you know could maybe be in the lottery, but we don't know yet, or they're pretty far away. Then you've kind of got the mid-tier of lottery-protected picks that may or may not convey in their first year teams that are kind of right around in the middle there uh and then you have the lowest tier which is good teams picks that are probably going to be like 20 or below uh and three of those are actually 2018 picks so we can be pretty certain that those are going to be um conveyed this year and won't be particularly high so with all that said here what was your number one asset of all these outstanding picks Danny? so my number one is actually the boston component of the complicated protection that is between the boston and philly pick so to summarize the overall picture boston gets the lakers pick if it is two three four or five otherwise it goes to philadelphia and if boston does not get that Lakers pick this year, they get the better of Sacramento's pick and Philadelphia's pick next year, unless they get the number one overall selection, in which case they get the inferior pick. So uh, I thought that all three of the big boys out there, so there's that that Lakings pick, as I like to call it, there's the Boston component, there's the Philly component, which is everything in the next two years that isn't mentioned, but the, the Philly component, uh, we can just say that now. Lakers pick this year if it's number one or it's six through 30, or if it conveys this year, then they get the Kings unprotected in 2019. By the way, Kings uh, unprotected 2019 pick, a beautiful purple dunked on shirt that is available uh, on my website. Go to the merchandise tab at the top there. And then, of course, the third of those is that 2018 unprotected pick from Brooklyn that is now the property of cleveland from the kyrie irving trade that and of course initially came over from the kg pierce jason terry gerald wallace trade back in 2013 around draft time so i actually have the brooklyn pick still the highest and the reason for that is just it is you take a little bit of a discount if it's going to be another year Moreover, 2018 draft looking like a very good one. I am not super high on like studying the 2019 draft yet, but from what I have heard from people I trust, they are less into the 2019 draft. And well, again, it can be difficult to get these ahead of time. Usually, especially at the top, these recently we've seen, I think it's usually more likely, Danny, when they say it's bad, that it's bad, that then when they say it's good, it's good. Would you say that, that that's been true recently? Because 2013 and 2016 were both considered to be bad and and they were i would say that's true because it's easier to identify in that way and sometimes we can be optimistic you know you see the best case scenario and if you don't see ceiling with a guy it's a pretty good sign that they're not going to be good it's not definite but i i feel you're right i try i do trust that more yeah and with marvin bagley Doncic, michael porter who i am extremely high on so far deandre ayton muhammad bamba like those are five guys who could be real big talents and you've not really heard again it's 2019 is a long way away but you haven't heard about it i mean i saw talked to some people who are at the, the colorado springs 
USA camp, for example, and they said that, yeah, most of those class of 2018 high school, 2019 draft guys were not too impressive there. Um, well, I'll make a small yeah, plug so that I did a I did a Real Jam Radio with Sam Vicini, ta- and we talked about the top five, like the five guys who could get the number, who could deserve the number one pick for like 50 minutes. So that just came out. So if you want to listen to more about those guys, because I'm still like, I've seen some of them, but I haven't seen Bagley at all. So we talked about a lot of that kind of stuff. And that ties in with one of the things that I find compelling about this group of teams so really we're looking at the lakers the nets and the kings all of those teams even though there is protection involved all of those teams see it as an unprotected pick and so one of the questions is going to be how do these teams push late we we assume that both the kings in 2019 and then the two this year that all of them will be out of the playoff picture so some of it is going to be how do they prioritize playing their young guys do they want to really push for those wins but i've swung on the nets deal i i would have theoretically had that if we had done this conversation october 1st i probably would have had that number one but i feel like they're going to be you know kind of in that mix of a little bit above the teams that are going to be pushing to the bottom like the Knicks and the Bulls and the Hawks and maybe the Kings I think they're going to be ahead of those teams and so then that pick looks a little less sexy yeah maybe so I mean and that's quite true perhaps that Brooklyn has looked okay so far they are a meaty three and two at the moment even net rating I would imagine though if anything they're going to fall off rather than improve and Russell is a little injury prone Lynn is out they do have some good backcourt depth but their bigs are pretty rough if Damari Carroll goes down they're really in trouble I think too and he's looked great so far but I don't know if that's going to continue a lot of it I mean if you had to well all right let's do this exercise because this will be interesting where do you think Brooklyn what's the median outcome for Brooklyn's pick this year what's the median outcome for the Lakers pick this year they're really close I think I think they're close Brooklyn so I think the median outcome is somewhere around six because the bottom is just so heinous this year and those teams all have an incentive to lose but then that and that's pre-draft so then there's the odds of it going up from there you know that they can that they can move into the top three and with the Lakers my instinct right now is that the Lakers are going to end up with a slightly better record the Nets because if you think about the representativeness of the sample the Lakers had that time where KCP wasn't playing they've had at least one game where Brook Lopez didn't play and so I think they will be they will be healthier in that they do play in the Western Conference but some of those Western Conference teams will be taking their foot off the gas pedal so I would say both of them are around six for me and that of course for the Lakers pick is very interesting because that's right where the line is yeah, I mean, I would say certainly Knicks, Bulls, Suns, although they have one two in a row now, and Kings, I would put as likely to finish below those teams. And then maybe Brooklyn, LA, oh, Atlanta, you'd have to say too. So you'd, I would say that LA and Brooklyn are maybe, you know, at, at not looking likely as finishing with, among the five worst records right now. And that's part of why I don't like that Boston part of it as well either. Uh, because then you're going to get pushed to next year with the Kings. You're not as good of a draft. You're just a year later, which means there's a discount. And I expect that Sacramento is not going to be very good next year. They're not they don't have a ton of options to change their team, but you know maybe some of their young guys improve enough. I, I mean, I, so here's another one. 2019 Kings. Where do you think that is right now? Where are you projecting that pick to be? Three. 
something in that range. And remember, there's also lottery reform, so that that all that, right. that that actually makes it. So if Sacramento pushes a little bit more next year, it makes it less of a negative than it would be right now because they they flatten the odds somewhat. So we'll see how that how that balances out, and that could be relevant in a couple other teams' uh, projections as we move into the future. But yeah, I would probably have that around three. But you could very well be right that we'll be sitting there saying, I would rather let's say I take those all at face value that you'd rather have the sixth pick this year than the third pick next year even without the present versus future value just with the quality of players available that's possible but here's i actually would rank the boston pick third among those big three interesting because it, it has a zero percent chance of being the number one pick that's true and so i would say brooklyn would probably be my number one i mean it's all very close to, among these three for sure uh but i think the kings at least you know that could be number one because because even and then with lottery reform yeah you know even if the kings are like six or five they'll have pretty close to the same chance of winning the number one pick as the worst will in 2019 so it, it what it doesn't matter as much but then the fact that it, if it rolls over and you're boston and then you still can't get number one that's that's a little bit of a problem so i think the number one pick is just so incredibly important although you know apparently not this year so far uh but in most years it's just so much more of a jewel than the other picks and i think you would imagine even in 2018 that while we have this kind of top five right now that one of those guys is going to emerge to be well, the clear number one well you could cra- you cracked a, you cracked a joke about 2017 but remember how much value the celtics got even with their feeling that this draft was closer to even i mean they got the pick that we're sure. talking about right now yeah no no that's a great point and so i would say brooklyn unprotected would still be number one for me just because i think this draft is better and you know for sure that it's going to convey in this draft so that and brooklyn you know maybe they're number six number seven but uh maybe it ends up being higher i mean i i if anything they're going to regress I, I would imagine so far i mean remember they started kind of well last year too and then they got to be really oh, horrible do we do we um, pri- do we yeah, price in here that cleveland's definitely going to win the lottery just because it's cleveland i mean the yeah. last time they had a pre- yeah. they had a pick in this form they won the lottery yeah well i mean dan gilbert is due right like he he really like he hasn't had much luck running this team no so all right then we get down to there's two more picks that i had in this possible lottery picks tier but are clearly below those big three both because they're further out and because i think they don't have as much of a chance of being a, a super high pick the first of those is also owned by the celtics from the jeff green trade back in 2015 that is Memphis's 2019 first rounder protected one through eight. The next year it is protected one through six and then totally unprotected in 2021. I actually think that this pick is less sexy now, even just with like Memphis off to a four and one start and being a couple of pretty damn good teams in the process, because it seems like now it's very unlikely that this will be the year that they sell off Conley Ingasol and those guys are still playing well. And then next year, even if next year is like they come to Jesus, all right, you you know where it's time to move on from these guys or they want to leave those guys will be around at least for enough of the year where that pick is not going to be you know, you know if you if i had to pick like what i think their record would be next year you know maybe they're if i had to guess the outcome of that pick it's maybe like 12 13 14 something like that next year maybe they they're ageless they make the playoffs again they're on track to do that this year so it, it could always change with an injury but there still isn't that much upside it's still one through eight protected um but i would rank that 
slightly above the other one in here which is miami's totally unprotected 2021 pick just because that's so far away um even if that might have a slightly better chance of being a high pick i ranked miami's above on basically the same logic used for why i've toned it why we've both toned down on memphis's pick just because it looks more likely that they'll be better next year and because even if they if they sold off this year they would be a bottom probably a bottom a team next year so so you don't have that upside the value potentially getting the number one pick it is a close call just because 2021 is so far away but think about the openness with miami at that point you know at that point their best players right now will be post prime they'll also already have been free agents so they could already be gone by that point hassan whiteside expires goran dragic expires by that point and i i don't know exactly how it relates to josh richardson but he's josh richardson he's not those guys and miami also doesn't have a lot of assets at this point to get a lot better not only do they have very little cap flexibility but they also owe another first round pick between now and then so i think that could be a time that they're really going down so so it's a close call but i'm going miami there just because the upside is higher and because i can see the timeline working to their advantage where i could see it working against the celtics with boston with memphis's pick yeah maybe you've convinced me here because that could be a really high pick i mean also we don't know what's gonna happen to pat riley he could be retired by them i mean really 2020 is the next time they're gonna have cap space maybe they can make a trade between now and then and it's rare that miami will get to just be awful they're a good organization they've got a great market so but it is possible and i would say you know there's really no way to know what their team is going to look like and so that does give some upside but it is so far away as well so yeah you know i guess maybe I, you convinced me maybe i could put that 2021 a little bit higher okay so we can jump into that i actually split the remaining teams oh in- oh, oh and one more thing one more thing a reminder of where that pick is from that was the goran dragic yes. trade uh and, and we're getting to another pick from that trade as well uh, and it was basically just the picks for drive it was, was the and trade. then they re-signed him after that but they and they and they didn't get him for full max they actually got it less than we thought they were going to and so yeah, i that i that ended up being a great contract yeah. i mean i think i think when that trade was made and we kind of pilloried it a little bit and they ended up not even making the playoffs that year as well uh we felt like oh well they're gonna pay him the max now and it's gonna be awful but they actually got him for a lot less so i think that that's a trade that may I mean, we'll see where it ends up happening but i think that's a trade that probably helped both teams where we we would have thought that was too much to pay uh for Dragic. We'll also see how much his former backcourt mate Eric Bledsoe goes for because the you know in terms of the value of the point guard position as time moves on. But so I split the remaining ones into two groups. I I had the eh group where it's like you know it's it's okay but it's not a great pick, and then the low end where it's like basically we know what it is and we know it's not going to be strong. So my I'll, my best of the remaining ones is actually Miami's first round pick. So Miami's pick it's protected one to seven this year and then unprotected in 2019 my full expectation is that that pick will convey this year even if Miami doesn't make the playoffs they will not be one of the seven worst teams in the league I think they've already won enough they've already won enough games and kind of moved on the pathway for that to happen but it you know but it's it's still I wouldn't expect it to be like a bottom 10 pick so it's still the best of this group yeah you could say that one and it has the least protection of any of these and, and but and I think also the other thing too is just that uh there's very little chance 
like it could be pretty close you know, i mean they're looking like maybe they'll have the 17th or 18th pick type of record here uh and then it's almost certainly going to convey this year whereas you have the other ones in this group are the clippers lottery protected 2019 and 2020 uh i had that that at the bottom because if it doesn't convey then it's just a 2022 second rounder only which is horrendous and then minnesota 2018 lottery protected through 2020 and then it converts into two seconds that's owned by atlanta that's the ill-fated adrian Payne trade uh and then there's Cleveland's one through 10 protected 2019 and 20, and then it converts into two seconds. That is owed to Atlanta from the Kyle Corver trade. So these are the two, two of the three picks that Atlanta owns. Not incredibly sexy for them. I think I rank Cleveland at the top of this, but I probably would put my go back and put Miami because Cleveland is a year later and they'll either be really good and it'll be pretty worthless because they'll have LeBron, or they'll probably be bad enough that it actually will be protected maybe for both of those years. Right. I put it at the bottom of this group. I had the same kind of team. I had the same teams there, but I, I had them at the bottom just because I don't think it's going to end up being a good pick. And Cleveland, they clearly know how if, they're, they're, if their team is bad enough that they will, you know, if LeBron leaves, they'll sell off. I have no doubt about that. I'll probably write about that at some point in the near future. I don't think you mentioned where that Clippers pick to Boston came from. That's a, it's, it's sort of a crazy obligation because it started out in that, again, ill-fated Jeff Green trade. We've said that before. That, that went to Memphis in the Jeff Green land Stevenson swap and then went from Memphis to the Clippers when or sorry went from went from Memphis to the Celtics in a on a trade at the kind of in the the middle of the draft last year to get to get extra picks and that's how they got I believe how they got the pick that became Deontay Davis yes that is correct uh let's get into this lowest tier I think the the ranking here I would say is probably starting off with Toronto's pick which is now owned by the Nets in the Damari Carroll salary dump that they did send back the immediately waived and stretched Justin Hamilton in that deal that pick is lottery protected through 2023 and then right next to that is OKC's 2018 lotto protected pick through 2020 that's from the Ennis Cantor deal then was conveyed to Minnesota in the Ricky Rubio deal from Utah so I guess your question is just who do you expect to have a better record OKC or Toronto this year and I would say OKC to have a better record so I'd say Toronto is one OKC is two in that that is exactly the same as me so I'm not going to spend any more time on it then the last two that are remaining one is basically Houston's first round pick it is technically protected one to three for the next five years and then unprotected in 2024 but it's going to convey this year Houston's going to make the playoffs and even and and I think Houston's going to have a better record than OKC and Toronto so it goes there and then the last one is the craziest protection on a first round pick that is that is around right now and it's from the uh, uh, surprise surprise it involves the Philadelphia 76ers though this was not and did not involve Sam Hankey what basically what happened was OKC traded a pick to Philly as a part of the Jeremy Grant trade and the rules on it are that exactly two years after OKC sends that pick to Minnesota we just talked about oh did we ever talk about how that trade happened because we should talk about that too um, it was Canner and then Rubio. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. we did. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, okay. I said that. So basically, two years after that trade happens, if Oklahoma City has one of the ten best records, then now Orlando gets that pick only that year. If not, then they get two second round picks. So that's pretty awful if you really think about it, because you either get a bottom ten first round pick or you get two distant seconds. So to me, that's the worst first round pick that's remaining. And how that got to then it got to uh, the. 
magic because they traded a late first round pick, which was, do you want to pronounce the gentleman's name? Anzich Pachniks. That's far better than I ever would have done. So that basically they traded that pick. And while I have no idea how Mr. Pachniks is, uh, he was not one of the, the Euros that I knew particularly well. Why that trade worked for the Sixers is because this is a very nebulous distant asset. And so I actually think that was, you know, pretty good by them to to basically get out of that weird obligation and get an actual first round pick of it, whether they took the right guy or not is an open question. All right, we are done here. You got anything you want to talk about before we depart? Well, so the first announced book signing for my book, 100 Things Warriors Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, has been announced. Uh, It's been in the works for a while, but November 1st, which is release date formally, it will be at East Bay Booksellers in Oakland. I'm going to have a conversation with Marcus Thompson, so that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to you know, talk Warriors history and everything like that, and of course, sign copies of the book, which will be out November 1st. And there will be more coming, but that's the only one that has been announced public. There's at least one more that set and then we're working on a, a batch of others so that's really exciting i should have yeah i'll go to that by the awesome. way where is it east bay booksellers on, on november yes, 1st i will send you details what's going on that day yeah all right yeah, well it's, it's so the day before it's that, the day before meet, the next quarter NBA show and and then uh so the I, I probably have a new piece for the athletic i just submitted one a warriors piece on options for damian jones and kavan looney i had a conversation with bon temps on last night's warriors watch and basically i i he helped convince me of the argument of why they should decline the option on damian jones something you and i talked about previously on dunked on and so i wrote i basically wrote out the case and did you know a thousand words on on why that logic is and so hopefully that'll come out and then I wrote a piece, I don't think I mentioned this on the show after it came out, but wrote a piece on the teams that I think are going to be eventual title contenders. So not like the Spurs and the Rockets who are good now, but it's on the Sixers and the, you know, the Bucks and how those teams can get to become title contenders, what they need to do, and then what kind of what they'll look like at that point. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Looking forward to reading that. Also, by the way, if you didn't listen to my podcast with Dylan Murphy because you didn't know who he was listen to it we've gotten a ton of compliments on that he is an xd league coach was a blogger before that and he taught told a lot of good stories about coaching coaching principles he's a really creative smart guy you're going to learn a lot learn a lot of coaching terminology from listening to that pod so i recommend going back and listen to that one if you haven't yet just because you saw that a name you didn't recognize and didn't listen to it uh highly recommend that one it's one of the better ones that we've done in quite some time and that's it we will talk to y'all on sunday night with our first real 15 and 60 and uh i will not be hamstrung by the requirement to be entirely positive this time around talk to y'all then want to save big over 300 million smart and thrifty shoppers have discovered wish the mobile mall app that makes it easy to shop fashion choose electronics and more directly from the makers that way you pay 60 to 90 percent less than what you'd pay in a store for our listeners wish is offering all new users a free gift with purchase but even if you're not a new wish user don't worry about being left out all listeners can download and open your wish app find things you didn't even know you needed and enter my cap space code for 20 percent off your purchase at amica insurance we know it's more than just a car it's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive the hatchback that took you cross country and back and the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool for the cars you couldn't live without trust amica auto insurance amica empathy is our best policy